Why hello there? I don't know what accent that was, what I was going for, but I uh, I tried. Do I get a participation trophy now? Here we go. Yeah, that's my generation right there, you know? When we play soccer, we don't want to kick the ball. We just want the trophy. <laughs> that's all we want. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. So this is Alexander the Podcast. And uh, I am, of course, Alexander. Our host is sick, though. I'm substituting for him. Uh, not with the vid. He doesn't have the vid, thankfully. But yeah, I'm substituting for him. My name just happens to be Alexander. His name's Phoenix. I don't like understand why he called it this. But, you know, maybe I'll just take over for him for good to see what happens. Lead it later, Phoenix. Uh, he's uh, not the vid. It's not the vid, everybody. He's okay. Don't. But yeah, so today I figured instead of... Uh, New releases. I mean, I checked my release radar this week, and I'm not gonna lie, it was weak. It was just, it was severely weak. Nothing hit. Nothing. Not only hit. It was like I was like almost offended. I was like, Spotify, uh, we gotta have a conversation because this is garbage. And it's like they are mostly acts that I did, that I do have saved songs saved from. But then some of them are just. Other artists under the same name. And uh, some of them are so bad. Like, I, I have some songs saved from this band Cold, and then there's, like, a DJ named Cold or something like that. And he's, like, whatever keeps coming up. And there's another one, like a, uh, like a group from out of town called Sublime as well, because I got some songs saved from Sublime. And I was like, what, Sublime's putting out new music? It's like, no. It's uh, it's uh, completely illegible and all over the place. I don't understand it. It was just upsetting. Um, so <laughs> I'm very sensitive in my ears. So like when something hits my ears and I'm like, what's going on here? I'm none too amused when, uh, you know, my re- it's my release radar feeding me this stuff. And it's supposed to be stuff that I enjoy. And I just don't. I don't. I just don't. I flat out just am like, dude, I'd rather take eight pies made out of roadkill to the face then listen to this music uh, i feel like <laughs> sometimes i feel like uh one of those like bitter like um visual artists from back in the day like you know one of those van goghs where they just you know they see other people's they like have amazing art and then they see other people's art and they're just like this is atrocious and they just can't get into anyone else's art oh there's some other artist that there's a new documentary on netflix on um Oh no, I need to look at that. That was um some good stuff. Sukalski, that's it. Sukalski. Yeah, so there's uh this Netflix documentary called Struggle and it's uh around this artist from the 1920s called Sukalski and he does these spectacular sculptures like uh nothing that people had seen like these art experts had seen. Uh like in the 60s they discovered him like this this one art expert cuz he wasn't that famous um this artist and like they uh, they find out why i don't want to give out too much but i mean apparently this guy wasn't a very good person sukalski himself but um he did make this amazing art and whenever he was faced with anyone else's art he would just uh he'd be disgusted like even if it was great he just he couldn't like stomach the thought of other people being good at it other than him and it's just that's it's so interesting that someone so talented could take on such a juvenile perspective on the world. But, you know, we live, we learn. But I, I don't feel like him 
<laughs> at all. But like, I mean, I can definitely appreciate good art, but I feel like when something doesn't really live up to my expectations, I'm just like, you know, I try to not be as vocal about it publicly, but hey, that's why we have a podcast. I, me, just me. I'm not substituting for anybody. It's my podcast. That was a joke. I bet you fell for it. I bet you did. Here we go. Without further ado, I'm going to do my top 10 albums of 2020 just because, yeah, nothing really released this week that I felt like talking about, let alone multiple things. So here we go. Um, Machine Gun Kelly, that album, number 10, I think. You know, it just, um, it's not the best thing I've ever heard, not at all. Um, but the songs are well written. There's definitely songs that I just, what I'm basing this list on are just like, what did I go back to? What did I consist of? What did I hear? And was just like, ah, I saved it. And then it was something that I just like, cause when new music hits me, some of it, like it'll just come up on my shuffle. And I'll be like, oh, that's cool. And then other songs I would just put on repeat, either repeat or just like, I'll have like a rotation of like 10 songs that I'm just like now listening to all week. You know, it's, it's weird, but <laughs> Um, this was this one song I'm showing you right here. And then the other song I mentioned on, uh, I think the last episode of the podcast, I, um, mentioned another song called Lonely by Machine Gun Kelly, which I thought was great. Um, but yeah, number 10, this album I just thought was excellent. Uh, not all around, but the songs I like, I loved a lot. And um, the production value is incredible, and there's a lot of really good writing on here. It's not a pop-punk album, though. I don't know why, like, I mean, they're still talking about it like it is. I get why they said it was, you know, to try and get everyone riled up and like, oh, let's hype it up. Like, oh, there's no way he's putting out a pop-punk album, and then it's actually quality music. But, uh, like, it's really interesting how they marketed it. I don't know, I already went over that, I think, last week. But uh, anyway, Machine Gun Kelly... Number 10, uh, this song is called Forget Me Too. It was uh, another one I really loved off it, so I'm just going to show you a little snippet. Okay, forget me too. You tell me you hate me, baby. Yeah, I bet you do. I'll keep you waiting. But I won't wait on you. Want me to forget you. Okay, forget me Check out that album if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, that song just it just kicks. That beat, just, oh, that Travis Barker drums just kick. He just ah, he slams the drums so hard, but so precise. Like, what do you mean? Like, the drums are the MVP in that song. I'm sorry. But I have to say that, like, you know, I'm not the biggest Halsey fan. Um, like, not, I'm sure she's a nice person, whatever. But, like, I mean, musically, I just like the songwriting that she has... There are very few songs that really hit me with, with her. She's got an excellent voice. I'm sure she has an excellent team. Um, I do understand why the music's so popular and the appeal. I just personally, um, the writing doesn't quite hit for me the way that I, I like kind of require for an emotional response. Um, but that part that she has in that song, 
unbelievable. I'm usually also not blown away by her vocal technique, but in that song, like, she's got some grit going on, and she's in the super high range, which sounds punky, but it's also, like, still precise uh, melody and pitch, and I was very impressed when I first heard that, so, like, because I'm usually not, again, blown away by by her, but, I mean, not to, I, again, understand the appeal. I do. I'm just extremely picky when it comes to singing. Like, just not fair how picky I am. Um, for instance, I don't like Machine Gun's voice. I don't like his voice at all, but I really do love the personality that he puts behind the tone of what he's doing. It kind of feels like he's still just rapping. And it's that's why I can wrap my head around it is because I'm not looking at it like it's like he's trying to sing. I think if you go into it looking at it like, oh, he's not like you're trying to like find vocal technique or anything special there, you're not looking for the right stuff. What you want to look for is like just his uh, lyricism is really good. Um, his flow is good. Like he's still, he's got good flow. It's like good flow over this really um, interesting, catchy pop, like pop punk beats. But I mean, it, it's still like a, it's a pop structured song. It's, you, um, it doesn't feel like pop punk. The pronunciation of the words doesn't feel like pop punk. It feels like hip hop over rock music with a pop structure. And I think to call that, to just sum it up with as pop punk is just, um, it's not only inaccurate, but it doesn't really do the album justice, nor does it really like give an accurate addition to pop punk. Cause it's like pop punk fans who like wonder years and fireworks and, you know, all of those in, you know, major league and all, all the pop punk bands, you know, story so far are going to go listening to this album and not dig most of it because most of it is nothing like that. So uh, anyway, though, number 10 for me was definitely MGK. I thought uh excellent release. Um, there were no songs I didn't, didn't like. Um, not, there were only like four I kept going back to, but like those songs are really incredible. And then the other songs are good, worth listening to as well. But yeah, so next up, uh, number nine was... One I actually came across just recently, um, Creeper. This band I have not heard of since uh, before I listened to the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast with Shane Told of Silverstein a few weeks back, and he had a, a guest on named Michael, and they both went uh, named off their top 10 2020 album lists. And uh, I think this and uh, maybe one other are the only that actually crossed over with their list, but... At the same time, um, they definitely gave a very strong, very strong list. Mine's a little more mainstream than I would have liked it to be, but if I'm being honest, I wanted to be honest with myself and really dive in uh, with stuff that I actually was going back to and genuinely was like, just want to be honest, you know? That's what, why why do these things <laughs> if you're not going to be honest? That just seems very... Uh, nonsensical to me so anyway uh number nine and my top 10 2020 album releases was sex death and the infinite void by creeper you definitely definitely need to check out sex death and the infinite void by creeper because this album's unbelievable i would call it a sleeper album um if i hadn't listened to that podcast i wouldn't have heard of it so it's kind of confusing just uh it's just spectacular all around and i feel like it did not get anywhere near enough attention so um I showed off a little snippet of the song's Paradise and All My Friends last week, so I'm just going to show off a little snippet of Cyanide this week. She was smoking with her friends that sell nicotine and breathe me in. Black denim under Belmo ride. Her skin is milk so pale and white. Underneath the teenage spell. 
This band is incredible. Um, it's like they got like a My Chemical Romance aesthetic going on, and their choruses remind me of My Chemical Romance. Like he, the singer sounds like Gerard Way in the choruses, and then in the verses he sounds like oh any number of people. I mean, he sounds almost like Dracula sometimes, but I mean, he also sounds like Elvis at times. He just has these, this incredible low tone, and also this uh, the high tone as well. Um, just, there's a lot to offer there. And I mean, that's kind of the gist of most of the songs on the album, but they're all, of course, sound very different, but like it's a first chorus, first chorus, bridge, you know, sometimes guitar solo chorus, but, um, very well done. And I love, I love that formula. Cause like a lot of people don't like the idea of a songwriting formula. Here's why I like a songwriting formula. It's either going to force you to make a good song like that that's your option you either make a good song or uh in in or and so i guess that's simplifying it the um it's not just making a good song it's like to make a good song you're not just remaking something that somebody else did you're now creating something of your own that displays your personality so what the formula does i feel like is allows you to more display your personality with the music um, then you're able to, if you're worried about recreating the wheel, um, this is like, we know what people tend to tend to gravitate toward. And then they're talking about the differences between if you're doing this for a hobby or a career, if you want to do music for a career, you need an audience. So you need to write music that other people like. And it's like, that's, I mean, that's, I can tell you firsthand, that's part of what goes into like, if you want to be in an original band that makes money, you have to have your fans in mind. And to create that initial fan base, what you do is you put something out there that's just, we tried and you hope, and then you kind of just, you know, recreate yourself over and over again over time based on what works. Um, And that's the only way to make a career in music. And people like, you stay true to yourself, talking about like that kind of stuff. And it's like, you do do that. You have to do that. If you put out something that's not true to yourself, your fans and everyone that looks at it is going to know it's ingenuine. If it's ingenuine, it sucks. If it sucks, it's not going to do well. It's not going it doesn't do well then you don't have a career. So the 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 fact is when people make that argument that like, "Oh, you're just doing like no, it still has to be genuine to work." And it's like you could argue, "Oh, well people put out stuff that doesn't sound genuine." What of it does well? Like the Machine Gun Kelly album. He followed a formula in a lot of the songs, but his personality is just blinding. You can, you can, his personality is literally littered throughout the entire album. Um, there's every album I think I'm going to mention today is like that. Like Creeper is just littered with personality. It's so much. You don't have to like wrap your head around a crazy song structure to get to. The personality, but I do like some technical bands. There are some very heavy technical bands on this, but uh, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that, you know. Anyway, um, the next one very different than you know a lot of what I listen to, but um, Ariana Grande put out a new album, and it's actually spectacular. Not that she doesn't always put out um, quality music; she definitely knows what she's doing. And uh, I personally have always had lovely, lovely women in my life who are very much into Ariana Grande. So that naturally has made me become a fan. <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, she's got a spectacular voice. I don't know. People can say they don't like that kind of music. I don't. It's not my cup of tea, but I do um, fully appreciate the way that Ariana does that kind of music, and I do actually frequently listen to um, her music. So this song was my favorite off the album, and I thought it's just spectacular. I'm going to show you the chorus. Unbelievable. Uh, one of my favorite Ariana choruses. I just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, um, I got goosebumps right now just listening to that. The uh, it's just such an unbelievably beautiful song. Um, the song, like the concept, she gets very conceptual and like, I mean, some of it's like, I mean, she's, she's very sexual and that's like, you know, that's cool. Um, but like, you know, doing it every time is obviously, you know, a little much, but this song I felt like was really a great step in a direction that was conceptual away from, you know, having to take it to the bedroom, which is nothing wrong with that. But I mean, at the same time, like every song, <laughs> you know, which is tends to be a thing that she falls into. But like this song is just very like uh, retrospective and reflective and like uh, just um, a lot of the concepts she gets into this on this album are just spectacular and show such a such a progression. Um, that song itself, just uh, I'd love to see me from your point of view, like. Like, uh, it's, it's such, um, I've, I just personally have had experiences in my life that that just speaks to in a very strong way. Um, because nobody, you care about the people you love so much and you never really think about the fact that they see you completely differently than you see yourself. And, um, I think if people could see how the people who love them see them, they could maybe have a lot more peace of mind about whether or not they're good enough and know that they definitely are. Um, and that's not to say that everybody, uh, you know, not everyone has people and that's a thing. That's a, that's a truth. And that doesn't mean that they're not good enough either. You know, and it's, um, it's all about not giving up and just continuing to try. And I just think that that song, that's the kind of stuff that that, like music that I love gets me thinking about all kinds of different stuff. Like I get starting, like I go off in tangents in my mind thinking of uh, these different pathways of thought on the content. And the more that I can stem off and have these thoughts, the more I'm going to listen to the song and just have these uh, conversations in my head essentially and kind of figure out more things about the world through the eyes of this artist. And uh, this song, yeah. <laughs> This song just has all these different pathways that lead to that reflection of the people you love and how they feel about you. And it that's just so beautiful. There's also another song called Just Like Magic you have to check out um, from it that's about essentially the secret and the law of attraction and manifesting your own reality. And, uh, you know, she says, I, um, what's, what's the lyric? Uh, I get everything I want because I attract it. And the, the whole idea of the law of attraction is that you imagine exactly what you want. And then you don't just imagine it. You imagine yourself having it. 
and then you believe it. You believe that that's possible. You believe it with every fiber of your being. And over time, if you're able to focus on that for a period of time, um, you can eventually manifest whatever you want. That's uh, If you watch The Secret or read the book, that's essentially what that's talking about. And that's what that song's about. And for her to be talking about that on her album is spectacular because like that's it's also a concept that certain entities uh that are in power or have enough authority that are aware of that would want to suppress that information and for her to want to kind of express that in such a public way with such a platform um i think is spectacular so yeah just definitely listen to that album good album and uh next up number seven Youngblood, weird. Oh, this album, I love it. It's so it's weird. <laughs> this is the perfect name for the album because it's it's so weird. It's like Mike. So it's again uh, the My Chemical Romance influence somewhat, but in a completely different fashion than the Creeper album. But it's uh, so like I would say a My Chemical Romance, Beastie Boys, and the Beatles had a baby. We would be we would be right at Youngblood. So like, and Creeper kind of feels like. If My Chemical Romance and the Beatles had a baby without the Beastie Boys getting in on the threesome. Uh, so with that influence, but this song specifically doesn't actually really have that Beastie Boys influence. I just thought that this chorus was so beautiful that I had to show it to you. Um, so Youngblood, this is the chorus from Love Song. gorgeous very beautiful song um very meaningful uh he's obviously telling a very heartfelt story um it feels very very genuine uh there's there's just a lot of emotion on this album uh it comes across in so many different ways and the versatility of the music is so extreme it goes across so many different genres so many different experiences like of his own but expressed in so many different ways uh i mean there's the song mars that i showed last week and that song's moving um it's all about just people that are you know uh say you know minorities trans people that are you know of color people that and that go into society and kind of with everything else and the way that things are kind of struggle to find the connection they're looking for when you know and it's not so it doesn't seem like you know at least in this area that i'm in uh that it's it's so much racism as it is people just kind of being ingenuine and trying to like force that like uh compassion because they're like oh i feel bad about hitting like it's like and i feel like you know people just really want to be connected to no matter who they are what color they are what they and that's why racism's 
ridiculous and makes no sense. But because um, <laughs> we're all, you know, when you get under this avatar, we all just really want to connect to other people. And uh, what color we are, what we look like is so irrelevant to that conversation that it's just it seems ridiculous to even have to say that. But I mean, um, obviously we do and we have to be fully aware. Uh, but it's just uh, that song's all about, you know, is there any life on Mars? It's just like just reaching out for anybody. And like the the bridge is like, uh, do you feel like you're irrelevant? Um, it's moving. And I think it's just such a great um, encapsulation of the thoughts of this generation, for sure. I can't say enough good things about that album. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, then I mean, <laughs> you move on and you have that moving picture and then you go to a song like Cotton Candy and it's literally like, it's a pop song about getting laid. It, it just, it's a pop song about getting laid. It's another pop song about getting laid, but it's so different and it's spectacular. It's also moving in its own way, but it's, it's about getting laid, <laughs> but it's, but, um, I, uh, it's just so interesting because you hear all these other just substanceless, useless pieces of trash songs about that concept. Um, and he just made it, it's he's like telling a story and it's like it's emotional but it's fun and it's playful and it's such a cool way to approach that topic without you know dangling your junk in front of your youthful fan base which is what most pop stars do and they don't literally do that i mean but just with their words and the things that like the things that they're encouraged to say i i don't want to get into examples but just like pop music in general kind of disgusts me and that's why young blood is such a breath of fresh air um i think if you have a young fan base you need to be completely conscientious of what's coming out of your mouth on your album sorry i like i know that it's rock and roll and it's all about but when you're talking about you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old kids, you need to be conscious of what you're putting in front of them. I, you know, personally, I, um, I don't really release any lyrics or thoughts in my music personally that I wouldn't share with a child either. Cause when you want to measure what a good song is or what an earworm is, it's, um, the ancient way to measure that is they always say that, when you sing it like in a town or with a community that the kids will remember it and they will sing it back to you, um, after they hear it like a few times. And, uh, so when you're coming up with material that is now going to be repeated by an endless sea of children and, or youth or teenagers, you need to be conscious. And I think young blood is, able to make it, he uses the edge and like, you know, kind of the sex appeal in a way that's interesting still, because you still need that to draw people in. That's, that is like what makes music intriguing for people is some reason is this, the sex appeal. And like, but he and a lot of other artists I'm very impressed with are finding ways to incorporate that without it being so in your face that it's encouraging children to do things that they're too young to do. Because I, I don't like anything that does that, personally. Um, but I do, I mean, there are plenty of good songs about, you know, <laughs> adult consensual sex, of course. Like, absolutely, that all of us love. And I mean, Cotton Candy, for instance, off the Youngblood album is a perfect example of that. But again, uh, he just does it in such a way that I don't feel like it's going to encourage 
people, uh, like kids who are too young to really understand these concepts to do anything that they're too young to do. Cause it's, it's still like metaphorical and like artistic. And that to me is, I love that. I lo- you, you have to keep it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that like the more, the older I get, the more I feel like profanity just doesn't even have a place in civil conversation. Like I think it has a place in comedy. Like if you're pushing a point home and you're being funny or I think it really does. But when it comes to like meaningful, anything that's meant to be meaningful, like if you're Attila, (laughs) if you're the band Attila, you know, the, the, the profanity goes hand in hand with what you're doing and it's what you're doing and it's different and it's, that's okay. To me, that makes sense because it's part of what is happening. They understand fully what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, but to a certain extent, um, I think, you know, whenever I hear Franz talking, he's very clear that like, you know, we, we are, you know, there's still responsible, like not bad human beings that do that. They've never done anything that I've heard of that's sketchy. So the profanity doesn't say anything, but when it comes down to it, when it, when you have these, like, you know, what Attila is doing is not what Youngblood is doing is not what bring me the horizon is doing. Like they have a very meaningful, um, platform that they're using that they've created from that meaningful nature. Attila's platform, I wouldn't call meaningful, but I would call it something that is good for people who find joy in it. Um, I think that there's skill there. I love listening to Franz's flow. Overall, I think they could write about other things, <laughs> you know, like uh, other than being hated or partying or girls. Cause that's all they write about. And when you got like seven albums or eight albums out there, uh, maybe th- more than three topics would be great. But anyway, Jumanji is a great song. I love that song. I know. Throwback. Crazy. Anyway, um, number six. Bring me the horizon. Number six. Yeah, this is a, it's a tough list. And to be honest with you, I listen to all these albums a lot. Um, but yeah, bring me the horizon, put out a banger. And so I'm going to show you part of the second chorus into the bridge of uh, one by one. Um, This album is breathtaking. Um, I really thought it was incredible. You know, it's, you could argue for sure that, you know, they're the biggest rock band essentially in the world right now. They better put out a good album. That, that is a very valid argument. Um, to me, though, if I'm honest and I just strip it down and I just don't think and I put it on, I love it. I love it. I love it from front to back. Dear Diary, <laughs> like, what a, what a way to kick it off. It's just, uh, 
the, that whole album is just so fun, so interesting, different. Um, like it's so it's not okay. Different? No, I wouldn't call it different. But like they do, they did what everybody's been trying to do with that genre for like ten the past ten fifteen years. I feel like after emo, um, you know, after the use and the panic, uh, panic of the disco, and My Chemical Romance really had their their heyday in the thousands. Um, I feel like since then everybody's been trying to to blend hard rock and metal in a way that it can now become mainstream and really encapsulate the issues that metal tends to gravitate toward, like mental health. Um, and this album just tackles tackles the mental health issue but also like society, societal issues so well. Um, and just fears about that, w- that we're all feeling um, just in such an incredible way. Um, the, the bridge there, like, let's, let's tackle those lyrics. So I'm staring into the void again. No one knows what a mess I'm in. The voices in my head say I'm just being paranoid. Uh, but it's bad for my health, how much I hate myself. I suffocate the way it pulls me underneath. Like, uh, it's incredible. There are thoughts that we all have. Um, that's an inner voice that we've all had at some point. Uh, cause it doesn't take much for us to turn on ourselves. Like, I mean, I'm a shining example of that cause I could be having a great day and have felt very accomplished and like I did a whole lot of stuff and um, I'll have one thought that is kind of just doesn't make sense. And then I'll get to the end of that thought train and realize that I I was kind of an idiot in that 30 second moment that I had that thought. And um, I kind of turn around and just turn on myself and I'm just like, how could you like, what's the matter with you? Like I, definitely my own worst critic. And that album, it's just, it's really interesting to listen to because it just, uh, it very much encapsulates how I feel day to day. Um, just the back and forth with myself. Like, not that I don't hate myself, but like there are times when I hate myself. Absolutely. And, uh, it's doesn't, it's not over much. Um, it's over much less than I would hate anybody else for. I, I don't, I mean, I don't hate, you know, I'd say the only person I reserve any of my hatred for is myself, um, which is more just as a way to keep myself humble than anything uh, deeper than that. But regardless, it um, that album just hit a lot of reflection. Uh, music that makes me reflect is what I truly love, and uh, it, music that makes me think and really just dig into myself. So, but takes me out of myself in order to, order to do it. So yeah, that album's incredible. Uh, Bring Me the Horizon Post-Human. Make sure you check that out. The next one. Uh, so I love Run the Jewels. I don't know if you know who Run the Jewels is. Um, they're massive. Like this, I mean, this This isn't even a, uh, I don't know if this was a single. Oh, I think this was a single, but uh, this wasn't one of the bigger singles off the album and it still has 1.3 million views. But uh, I just don't think I know many rap fans because every time I talk to people, like ninety percent of my friends have never heard of Run the Jewels until I show them to the, and I'm like, what? Like they're massive. Like how do you not? Like it's it's Killer Mike and LP. Uh, Killer Mike is an amazing, amazing rapper from Florida who's been around since the late '80s, early '90s. 
He's incredible. Um, he's he's friends with Bernie Sanders. He's he's just done all kinds of, and he's oh man, he's done such amazing stuff for Atlanta and uh, Georgia in general. Um, he gave this outstanding speech at the at the beginning of the the Black Lives Matters protests, um, essentially just saying, "I was he like my my father or my grand I, I apologize, my father or my grandfather was here." Um, when the first eight police officers started the, the force in Atlanta to have a police force and they've literally all the sacrifices they've made, um, are what you spit on when you're disrespecting our police force. And just, he was, he's such a prominent African American figure that it was such, it was moving. It's so moving to see him say that. Cause I, I like, there are terrible, terrible people in our police force. There are terrible people, but they are not all bad. It might be half. It might be 60% are bad, 70% are bad, 80% are bad. I don't know. What I do know is that when it goes viral and something goes viral, it's more likely to go viral when it's bad. And um, people hop right on it. And they should. Like, they should. <laughs> we need to keep we something needs to protect us from them if they're not doing it so i mean but you know in the instances where that does occur of course i like i personally haven't had much of an issue like i am jewish so i mean like technically a minority but like i mean i don't look like a minority so i mean i don't get racially profiled as easily um so it you know it's just such a it's such a strange issue because, <laughs> again, uh, color has no bearing on who somebody is. We're all different. Um, you know, I, as a Jewish white man, could have as much in common, like more in common with any number of African-Americans than I could with any other <laughs> uh, white Jewish man. So i oh man like I, I i've always like also wanted to see the diversity just in general um because i i personally i went to a a school for half of my high school tenure called the Winchenden school because it was like five minutes from my house i was really struggling in the public school um because the kids were just awful people <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it was in the water at Oakmont, but it was just uh, a lot of really terrible people there at that time. I'm sure they're, you know, a lot of them are very nice and grown up now. But at the same time, uh, I transferred to the Winchenden School for half of my tenure, junior and senior year. Um, and I was able to get mostly scholarship, um, living close by and not having to live on campus. And uh, most of the kids that were there were from other countries, not even other states, like literally other countries. I had friends from... I had a friend from Egypt. I had a friend from Haiti. I had friends from Brazil, uh, you know, have. I mean, I had friends from Mexico, friends from everywhere. And when you meet people that are from other countries, you just realize how different they are and how much more entitled Americans are. <laughs> and it's uh, it really shows you just how important it is to meet these other cultures and see these other people because that changed me. That completely changed my perspective on life and made me a happier person, even though like my experience there wasn't perfect either. Um, I, you know, and that was probably more on me than it was on anybody else. Cause you know, it was a great, great place. It was a great experience, but um, you know, 
the diversity really pulled me out of myself. And then when I went to college after that, I just, I had a whole different uh, perspective on life. So I can't really, once the pandemic is over, of course, I can't really encourage you enough to travel and immerse yourself in other cultures because you will learn so much about not just them, but yourself and uh, the differences between the perspectives of what can occur. But anyway, Run the Jewels sparked that. They're amazing. They are, um, you know, just doing incredible things for uh, raising racial awareness. Uh, Mike has actually a Netflix special called Trigger Warning, and it's incredible. And it's great, and he usually, he brings people to get. <laughs> oh my god, the first the first episode, I got I got to tell you about it. Like he uh, he has, um, so he knows me- members of the Bloods and the Crips. And according to him, the gang violence is nowhere near between them, like at least in Atlanta, is nowhere near as bad as, it, as the media wants you to believe it is. So he, to prove that, he, <laughs> he meets up with a member of each gang and he has them each make a soda, like one with like the red branding and the other with the blue branding. And then he has the, uh, the Bloods and the Crips go to a farmer's market and sell their soda to old people at the farmer's market under a tent. Like they get a booth and they just set it up and they have the branding and everything. It's incredible. I was just, uh, and what it, they're, they're standing there together and the people are asking them like, uh, I'm like, I'm afraid like if I buy this soda, people are going to, and they're like, no, it's not like that. Like you could buy the blood soda, walk down the street in front of a crip and they're not going to hate you or shoot you or assume you're in the gang and want to kill you the way that we've all been led to believe. And I, before I saw that episode, was ignorant to that. I thought the bloods and the crips were brutal killers that, you know, would, you know, if they see you wearing the wrong color in their neighborhood would do something terrible to you because we've been told that literally since we were in young kids in elementary school. And the fact is, um, this show is incredible and completely debunks a lot of the assumptions that you're going to have um, about those kinds of communities. Cause like the fact is if you don't live in them, you don't know anything. <laughs> you have all these assumptions cause of movies and TV shows. And it's probably in, I can imagine literally the entirely different than anything we could have perceived to us on a screen in Hollywood. So, you know, anyway, run the jewels. This song's called out of sight. It was featuring two chains. I, w- I didn't show you a part with two chains cause I like LP and killer Mike better than two chains. But anyway, um, here's a little snippet. With thug is thumping on a cut. My motherfucking Uzi weighs a ton. Hit the drum till you hear it go. Run, run. Piety's as pretty as an us. What a rush. See you cutting up a pie. That's my lunch. Run, yo motherfucking pockets when I come. It's an honor to be robbed by Denise's only son. Yeah, give a ready baby boy. Bitty moving extra heavy with his shivy. Gotta get it. He's spaghetti with the monster. I love them. I mean, uh, they like, listen to that. This, they, they're two guys. Killer Mike LP, and it's just them going back and forth. Starts with LP, then Killer Mike, then LP. They do this. They, uh, they. That's what I love about the two of them. They're not just doing a set structure. They'll go back and forth, back and forth, and then sometimes they'll have one do a verse, the other do a verse, or one do a verse, the other do the chorus, or one just have an entire song. They're so incredible. They do so many amazing things. They're self-produced entirely. LP is a producer. He's one of the probably one of the best producers in hip hop. Uh, just go listen to Run the, Run the Jewels right now. I got hung up on them really hard because of that whole. Uh, 
Killer Mike's just an incredible human being and he's very inspiring and it gets me definitely thinking about all of this. And LP is, you know, right on board on par with him. I think Killer Mike is more the activist than LP, but LP's right there, you know, the ally and being the homie for really like the genuine, uh, the genuity, not just, you know, some people say they're an ally and it's really just because they're trying to get social points and it's like, you know, you need to be yourself and you need to actually be about what you're about and be honest about it. And as long as you're about something and you're genuine about it, People will find something to like about you, but if you aren't genuine, they won't, you know, and some people will, and then that will fizzle out after a short period of time. Anyway, these guys are super genuine. Run the jewels. Awesome. So incredible. One of my favorites. Ah, number four, Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne put out a new album this year and it's awesome. It's so awesome. I've listened to it all year. I have, um, my favorite song in the album, Scary Little Green Men. Going to show you a little snippet. He's amazing. He's so amazing. He's never not going to be amazing. <laughs> like, he is a more, he's an immortal god, and he's so amazing. And that's just all I got to say about that. This man, this man, this man can do anything. Like, there's so many artists that are his age and trying to put out albums right now who I adore, who I adore, but they don't sound like that, man. Like, I'm sorry. I love you so much, but Elton John, man, I love you. Oh, my God. Like, I have all the respect for you, and what do you care about my opinion? But obviously, he's not, you know, where he was. I still love what he's putting out now. And, I mean, he put out a new box set with a bunch of remastered stuff that I've been listening to on Spotify constantly, and I need to I need to pick that up for sure. Um, but the similarities in how... It, Elton sounds great now, but it's a different tone. It's a different sound. Um, same with Bob Seger. Bob Seger is one of my favorite singer-songwriters of all time, and he's one of my first inspirations. But to be honest with you... Um, he has a different tone now. It's just different, you know? And then there's like, you know, Bob Dylan and he's just, from what I hear, he's not holding up too good very much, but I mean, he's Bob Dylan. He's the, he's the songwriter. He's one of, he's the best songwriter of all time, like Lee Malone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, um, I, Ozzy, I, I just don't understand the, the longevity in his style and how he's able to maintain it and not just maintain it, but progress. And it's like, you know, um, I want Bob Seger and Elton John and I want all Billy Joel and all those guys to keep putting out albums. But when it comes to that age group, 
who are still releasing music and the quality of it, like as much as it pains me to like compare because these are legends who have paid their dues and who have done their thing. And like, they don't, they're, they're past the need for my critique. (laughs) They are, they're so far past it and they're so far past the need for my opinion. But like, you know, it's my podcast, so here we are. <laughs> I love I love them so much. If somehow, some lottery ticket chance, one of them, he hears this, I love you so much, and like, oh my God. But the longevity in, in the Aussie music and the material, like, ha, I don't get it. Just, he's a golden god. Like, he's a golden bat god of the night or something. I don't know, but it's uh, something very special that, that I'm... So happy I was able to witness uh, this new album. Amazing. One of the best parts of 2020. Number three, though. Oh, boy. Black Dahlia Murder put out a new album, Verminous. And it's just so incredible. It reminds me of Nocturnal. You know, it's not too busy or complicated like so many bands in that genre get, even though they should just be listening to this band. (laughs) Just kidding. But, um, oh my goodness, it's so good. I need to show you the end of this song, The Leather Apron Scorn. Uh, the tone and just the end of I can't get over how talented Trevor is and just what the progression of that band and how far they've come and everything they've done. And oh my goodness, they're just, they're just so amazing. Um, Verminous is number three. Verminous is incredible. Um, what a triumph for a band that's been around for that long. And, you know, to, to have all these, there's, you know, all these fans that are saying, you know, well, you know, it's not what they not who they used to be. It's not, it's not nocturnal. It's not Deflore. You know what I mean? Like, I love those albums. But this album, front to back, I just, I saved the whole thing upon first listen. I was just like, okay, I like this song. Okay, I like this song. Oh, this, like, oh, man. If you like that music, that kind of heavy, like, if you like heavy music at all, Black Dahlia Murder, they have it down to a science, and they're incredible. And they will never, ever not be incredible. Another band with amazing longevity. I hope they play for another 50 years. Uh, any Or, you know, hey, give it a 1,000. Give me a 1,000 years, Black Dahlia. That'd be amazing, too. But, you know, 50 sounds realistic. You probably don't want to, you know, who wants to do that into their hundreds? I would. Let, you know, Lemmy would if he was alive. You know, he's... Every, Maybe you would. You definitely would. That's what we do. That's what we're. That's the deal we sign, isn't it? You know, being a a very passionate musician who wants to tour for a living and has that kind of attitude that'll put him there. Yeah. So, what are you gonna do anyway? Uh, this. So, one and two are tied. I couldn't pick. I can't. I can't do it. I won't. I shan't do it. I will not pick between these two. Um, so, Seven does put out a new album. <laughs> If you, you know, 
if you don't live under a rock and you've heard of Seven Dust, you know this. It's amazing. It's so good. Blood and Stone is amazing. It's probably my favorite Seven Dust album. And they're one of my top, that's my one they're in my top three bands. They fluctuate, you know, sometimes they're number one, sometimes they're number two. You never know. But uh Seven Dust is just oh my god, they're so spectacular. And this album is just an encapsulation of everything they've learned, everything they've done, and I can't say enough good things about it. Um but it's tied with Tala. Tala Matrophagy is uh, just so unbelievable. It's so incomparable with anything else in the genre right now. Um, it does take elements of anywhere from corn to knocked loose, and it's just it doesn't leave anything behind. It doesn't. It trims the fat, and it just literally gives you a high energy in your face, almost like, it's like listening to this album is like watching a horror movie. That's kind of how I felt about the new Code Orange album too, but I got to say I enjoyed Tala's album a great deal more than Code Orange's. Um, Code Orange's has a lot of really original concepts that are interesting, but certain things that they try kind of pull me out of the vibe, whereas Tala is just, they're all vibe. It's all vibe. Whereas Code Orange, seemed they, they seemed a little concerned with, um, trying new things, which is awesome. And they do it incredibly. And I love the album. I do like, um, I haven't really given it enough of a chance. I listened to the whole thing twice, I think. And, um, the stops and the mixes and the, the very, uh, very interesting, very intriguing. And I think I'm going to gain a lot more listening to it over time. But anyway, Tala Matrophagy, <laughs> unbelievable album. It's so cool and different. And I don't understand how they did this. Uh, my favorite on the album personally is LED. I'm gonna show you a little snippet now. they come up with this i know these guys personally um i love tala i've done we've toured with them they're so much fun just in general on the road or even at home i mean i've known justin the singer since fifth grade um this band's unbelievable they're doing huge things they signed to earache records they're um they just put out this whole album it's just unbelievable start to finish a whole bunch of like new concepts with you know some familiarity from these other bands that I mentioned like Corn and Knocked Loose, but also like a whole bunch of you know there's there's turntables in there and it's just um, so Slipknot of course as well and just the way they use these influences though it's still it's something new and it's littered with personality and again that's just what I love like when I can listen to a band it's like I can feel like I'm I'm hearing what's in your head. You know, I'm here. I'm hearing you're putting the thoughts in your head to music, and they are tangible and something that I can conceptualize and hear and listen to. And uh, Tala just 
they added a whole new level of personality to something that's very familiar uh, to make it something new. And I love watching them live. They're so high energy. They're just all over the place, and it's the best thing ever. It's it's so great. It's what rock and roll should be. Uh, They definitely inspire me to want to just go harder on stage and um, really just give it my all. Um, You know, the the drummer, Max Portnoy, is just unbelievable. He's a force. He just, (laughs) he pumps. He just keeps it pumping. And just like the the snare tone he has, oh, no, it's so good. Like, oh, my, I can't. The the beats, too, like the the grooves that he he drives in there. And I know he does a lot of the writing, too. Um, Tala is just so unbelievably talented. And you need to check them out. Like, every member of that band, uh, Derek, Coop, you know. I I know they have another member who is uh, Max. Max's girlfriend, and I can't remember her name, and I'm so sorry, my dear. But yes, anyway, uh, is amazing. You need to check them out. Um, Justin Bonnets has a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube as well. It's very fun to watch. Uh, the singer, very, very incredible. Um, they did a live stream from, I think, Alcatraz or something along those lines. It was an old abandoned prison. Uh, incredible performance. Sounds amazing. These guys are just so talented, and there's so much energy. So anyway, uh, moving on to uh the other one the other number one because of course they were tied um seven dust i gotta show you a little clip from the song love so good I can't, I just literally, that's a band I can listen to and I just get goosebumps every time and they make me want to just stop whatever I'm doing, find a mirror and just like pretend I'm LeJohn just singing into the mirror. They just make me, they bring out the like, oh, the fire. They make me feel like I'm on fire. I love this band so much. I've always loved Seven Dust. Uh, one of the best shows I ever played, uh, my band Fathom Farewell opened for them um, at their 20th anniversary of their first album at the Worcester Palladium. And it was sold out, like, downstairs. The balcony was packed. Uh, Like, it just, we, like, two minutes before we went on, everybody just started cheering because the lights went out. Like, and just the the crowd just from the, like, the second we walked out there, just hands up in the air. It was like, oh, my God. And I hadn't listened to Seven Dust too much before that. And I just listened to their whole discography maybe the next day because I just had such an incredible time. And... Oh my God, I was blown away. Like, LeJohn is just one of my favorite vocalists of all time. He's one of my favorite singers ever. I think he's just, um, he is one of the filthiest tones and just control and emotion portrayal technique. Just more, it's better than, I I just have never heard anything like it. It's just, their music is pure butter. It's literally just pure butter it's like it's like falling down a wistful waterfall that's just on fire but like you're safe <laughs> i don't know uh i just oh man i i listen to them constantly probably 
I uh, they were the number one band on my Spotify last year. I was not in their not in their point one percent, but in their point zero zero five percent of listeners. <laughs> I love Seven Dust. I, I've learned so much about singing just through listening to this band. Uh, this new album is their best. They get better with each album. I don't know how they do it. Um, I would go back and just listen from the beginning. Um, once you hit animosity, if they're not one of your favorite rock bands ever, I don't understand you, (laughs) but like, you know, once you get through animosity, I should say, but like, um, once you then make your way past animosity and through everything they've done since, and then to this, I, it's so magnificent. It's, it's, uh, such a reason why rock music will always be timeless and live forever. Like, no one, there's never going to be a time in our future when there's not going to be people in the world who will pick up a Seven Dust album, listen to it, and not like it. I just love this band so much. Um, they give me, <laughs> just one of my reasons for living. <laughs> oh my God, please put out more music soon. I know you will. You're amazing. You're beautiful people. Uh, I love them. Morgan Rose put out a, a solo album as well, and it's amazing. And so did Clint Lowry. And uh, you, just, you just need to check all these guys out. I Like LeJohn, when, when are you going to put out that solo album? You need, you need to put out a solo song. I think you were talking about something like that. I can't remember for sure. But uh, maybe I was just dreaming when I heard that. Maybe not. Maybe not. I got you on Instagram, so, you know, I look at your stuff. I love it. I love Seven Dust so much. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. I will literally start crying if I keep talking. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, yeah, who knows? So anyway, that's my top 10. Uh, 10 was Machine Gun Kelly, um, Tickets to My Downfall. Nine was Sex, Death, and the Infinite Void by Creeper. Uh, eight was the new Ariana Grande album. I'm blanking on the name, but it's Ariana Grande. You'll find it. I, I have full faith in you. Um, the number seven was Youngblood Weird is the name of the album, and it's just absolutely unbelievable. Y-U-N-G-B-L-U-D. I have all the links also, uh, just so you know, um, for anybody listening, uh, strictly listening, if you go at some point to the YouTube link, I have all the links uh, thrown in here. I also do on my RSS, so actually it's everywhere. So actually, you know, forget YouTube. We don't need that. But I'm just kidding. You know, I love all the platforms. You're all amazing. Thank you for having me. Hey, you're great. But anyway, um, yes, the next one, number six, Bring Me the Horizon, post-human, amazing. Uh, five was Run the Jewels, and they just call their EPs uh, or albums one, two, three, and this is four. Um, Number four was Ordinary Man by Ozzy Osbourne. Number three was Verminous by Black Dahlia Murder. Number one and two were tied, and they were Tala Matrophagy. Tala is the band. Matrophagy, M-A-T-R-I-P-H-A-G-Y was the album. So amazing. And then uh, the other number one was Blood and Stone by Seven Dust. Absolutely amazing. I love all these albums. I highly recommend... (laughs) What was that, Mr. Tongue, inside my mouth? Very much not operating the way you're supposed to. Anyway, um, I would highly recommend listening to all of these albums front to back because they're just so perfect, and these bands deserve your support so much, these acts. Anyway, uh... I do my historical shout-out every week. My next historical shout-out is the lovely Richie Havens. Um, Richie Havens is an amazing artist that played at Woodstock. 
the legendary Woodstock, you know, from 50 years ago um, in Woodstock, New York. And he had the pleasure of filling in for four hours worth of artists who couldn't get to the festival because they were stuck in traffic. So I actually, uh, my father did lights for a show of Richie Havens because my dad was a, a light man um, back in the 70s. And he uh, did lights for Richie Havens when I was about 10 years old um, in Newburyport, Massachusetts. And um, we... Uh, Richie saw me with my dad when my dad was setting up and invited us to his dressing room to like have a bite to eat. So we went there. There were a few other people there. Uh, Before we went there, though, and he saw me at first, he had me come up on the stage um, and he just had me sit in this chair or just, you know, asked me to take a seat. And uh, we just had a conversation. He told me the whole story of Woodstock and what happened with him. And he was like... You know, most people will tell you that it was like so it was supposed to happen or whatever, but I'll tell you firsthand, like I was in my hotel room, <laughs> I get a phone call from the the front desk, and they're like, it's not the front desk, it's it's the uh people running Woodstock, and they're essentially like, um, Mr. Havens, we have a helicopter coming to your hotel to pick you up right now to bring you to the stage to fill in for these artists that are stuck in traffic. <laughs> that we can't send a helicopter to. So they sent a helicopter to this man in, in the sixties, uh, at a hotel and he got in the helicopter, went to the helicopter, flew him to right behind the stage. And then he got on the stage and had to perform for four hours. He only had an hour long set. So this song freedom that I'm going to show you, he actually, made this up on the spot and extended it into like an hour and a half to two hour long jam. And it made him famous and everybody in the sixties just loved him. And it was, um, spoken about for many years to come. And it's probably the reason why he was playing a a sold out theater when my dad did lights for him, you know, 50 years after the fact. So anyway, this guy, uh, amazing. Richie Havens, here's a little freedom. Freedom, freedom, Um, very cool. He's just an amazing singer and guitar player. Uh, the voice, the chops vocally, the rasp. He told me he was a gospel singer in the church for many years as a child. And, uh, that he, with the song, when he was writing, it was pretty much just taking lyrics from gospel hymns. And, uh, that's what many artists have done over the years and taken them and made them more appealing to the youth. And then um, that's what turns into this cultural icon. And for him, it's just it's so interesting and inspiring to watch. And I'm <laughs> I'm literally looking at uh, the video I'm going to link you to is a um, it's like a bottom view of just right under him. And he's obviously you know on the Woodstock stage and just oh man, what an amazing musician and talent. And um, he passed away unfortunately, I think about five or six years ago. But he's um, 
just an incredible figure. Definitely my favorite that occurred at Woodstock, you know, um, you know, probably, uh, shortly, you know, followed by Jimi Hendrix and just, you know, that whole incredible, uh, era of icons. Just an amazing, amazing thing. I, I wanted to mention, uh, I wanted to mention Woodstock in general, but I wanted to mention Richie Havens, especially because a lot of people haven't heard of him from my generation. And, uh, he did put out a lot of amazing music and he was an amazing soul. He was probably one of the most humble people I ever met in my entire life. I remember to this day, um, <clears throat> just his energy and the way that he conducted himself. I remember what he was wearing. Cause he just, he, he had such a style about him. He had these in these rings on his finger that were beautiful. Um, and he, yeah, he's just, uh, Richie Havens. Check him out. You got to check him out immediately. Immediately. Anyway, so that's it for the music releases that I'm going to be showing off to you right here. Anyway, um, a few end of the year honorable mentions I wanted to do though, just two of them because they just I constantly listen to them. They just didn't they didn't happen to make it in the top ten. But you know, uh, Bayside put out an acoustic album and it's just amazing. It's just like acoustic renditions of some of their older songs and they're just so well done. Um, so many different. Uh, renditions with inspiration from sounds that I wouldn't have expected Bayside to go with. Like some songs even sound like Gogol Bordello legit. Like will remind me of that. And it's so random. I need some water. Sorry. Didn't mean to yell at you, but, um, yeah. Bayside acoustic album. Very good. Um, and zero seven, who I hadn't heard anything from in a while, 07. They put out zero, like, spelt out, so Z-E-R-O, and then the number seven. Uh, They put out an EP, and it's spectacular. It's just breathtaking. Um, It's featuring the singer Lou Stone. What they do is they make instrumentals, and they feature these vocalists. I mean, they have an EP featuring Saya from way back, which was amazing, and it's far better than anything I've I've heard Saya put out. So, (laughs) personally, in my own opinion, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, Zero Seven, new EP, oh my God, amazing, uh, featuring Lou Stone. All right, so on to the news. (laughs) We got some funny stuff for you today. So, first off, kicking it off, uh, Fatboy Slim made the news, made the headlines, you know why? Uh, Fatboy Slim is quipped that the greatest triumph of his career, you know, Fatboy Slim, the, uh, you know, right about now, the funk soul brother, 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 whatever, we also, we always used to argue about that in elementary, it's brother, no, it's rubber, it's funk soul brother, no, rubber, yeah, the funk soul, yeah, that guy, says the greatest triumph of his career is having a sex toy named after him. The 57-year-old DJ says inspiring a dildo called Fat that boy thin is the greatest honor of all while the first time he heard one of his songs playing during an episode of eastenders at the queen vic boozer and okay that's just an irrelevant story uh he said i think the first time i knew i had arrived was when we heard a tune of ours on the great that's awesome and then still to the day my greatest triumph and my greatest honor of doing this is to have a dildo named after me yep <laughs> the, the links in the description uh to this this article i think that's absolutely hilarious uh when i saw this article i just had to mention it because like Fatboy Slim, when's the last time you heard about them? But yeah, making the news, not for the music, but for the sex toys. It's really adorable, really funny. Um, hopefully no kids are listening to this. Anyway, Adele takes 10 million euro pay cut. Like she lost 10 million euros last year as opposed to what she usually makes. And uh, it didn't affect her <laughs> at all. She's in fact, she's just heading into the studio to record another album. I think that's uplifting. That's just awesome. Um, you know that she worked so hard that she made enough money that she could lose 
10 million dollars in profit and be fine like okay <laughs> um that's inspiring incredible uh, so her monster selling albums and singles, 2016, 17 tour are still raking in the cash for the star. Who's now said to be worth an eye watering 180 million. Like, geez, how did like, I mean, people say there's no money in music, but it's like, I mean, if you're really, really, really talented, if you're really talented and smart and you stick to it forever, things can happen. Cause like things have happened. You look at this. I, uh, some people look at that and they're like, uh, you know, the, it's the underground. It's the they're they're boosting these people, and it's like you know bloodlines and yada yada. You don't really I don't know. No one knows. Think positive. That's what you should do. That's what this makes me want to do. Um, yeah. So anyway, she's heading into the studio, recording a new album, even though she just lost ten million uh, euros. Amazing. Very inspiring. Can't believe that that's going down. Anyway, uh, moving on. The next one. Bono, Halsey, and Pharrell sign on for Sing 2. I personally am super excited about this. I thought Sing 1 was a great animated movie. I'm super picky with my animated movies. I just watched Soul last night, by the way. Oh, oh my God. Go on Soul. Watch, go on Disney Plus and watch Soul. Don't go on Soul. Go on Disney Plus and watch Soul right now. Oh, it's amazing. It's so good. But anyway, so Sing 2, I'm sure, is going to be amazing because Sing 1 was... You know, it wasn't the best thing I'd ever seen, but it was fun, and I just, I love music, so, you know, I, I could get into it. Uh, but yeah, Bono, Halsey, and Pharrell signed on for Sing 2, and I think that's kind of awesome. They're going to, you know, we're going to see little uh, animated versions of them, I think, you know, as animals singing in this movie, probably, hopefully, as main characters. I think that would be super cool. I love Pharrell. I love Bono, and as I said earlier, like, Halsey's awesome. Totally respect her. Not one of my favorites, but, you know... <laughs> I like Ariana better. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, um, moving on. Top 10 music box sets of 2020. I found this article. I thought this was super, super interesting because I didn't know most of these came out. Uh, some of them I've been listening to, though, and incredible stuff. Um, so it was a top 10 box set. The number 10 was Bobby Bear. Bobby Bear sings Shell Silverstein. Um, yeah, that's country. I don't really know much about that, but that's something. That's a thing. Uh, the other number nine box set, Elvis Presley from Elvis in Nashville. So I've actually heard a few songs off of this. There's some deep cuts. Um, there is one that starts out with them doing like half a song that turns into, or like the first verse of a song that turns into an outtake. And it's actually really funny because like Elvis like parodies his own, um, his own lyric and then everybody in the, you hear everyone in the studio, like just like die laughing and then they restart. And it's so it's hilarious. And like, actually the song itself is really good. Um, and it's a live recording and it just sounds spectacular. Um, yeah, I don't think Elvis ever sounded better than when, whenever he was recording that stuff, it's just unbelievable. Uh, so number eight, Keith Richards and the expensive winos live at the Hollywood Palladium. So that's the number eight box set that came out. If you like Keith Richards and the Rolling Stones, uh, you know, not one of my favorites, uh, but I do have a great deal of respect for anybody who survived and stayed relevant for this long. Speaking of the Rolling Stones, uh, number seven on that box set list is the Rolling Stones dropped a Goat's Head Soup Super Deluxe uh, box edition. It's three CDs, one Blu-ray. Sounds pretty awesome, I mean, if you're a huge Rolling Stones fan. Anyway, uh, number six was an Elton John Jewel Box. Super excited about this one. 
It's eight CDs. I've heard a lot of it on my release radar. They've been popping up on my Spotify. And some of these renditions of these Elton John songs are amazing. There's just, there's some of them are just like, I listen to them constantly because they're so good. Um, Definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, If you like Elton John, I would highly suggest that. Uh, Moving on, number five, The Replacements. Pleased to meet me. I'm not very familiar with The Replacements. I think they are a much older oh nope of the 80s so they're not that old hmm oh, i haven't heard of them must check them out hmm hopefully they're not bad anyway number four. Ooh, Joni mitchell put out a uh, a box set archives volume one the early years 1963 to 67 this looks really cool um i definitely check that out if you enjoy Joni mitchell that's awesome uh number three elvis costello put out a box set the complete armed forces that looks really cool three lps three eps three singles very cool Number two, Prince, Sign of the Times, Super Deluxe. Ooh, this is huge. Eight CDs, one DVD. Oh, also available as a 13 LP, one DVD edition. Oh, my God. This is awesome. That oh, The artwork on this is incredible, too. Um, it's two pictures of Prince looking uh, fresh, looking young, and uh, very cool. The artwork on the CDs is very cool. This I think it comes with a book as well. Wow. Okay, yeah, Prince, Sign of the Times, Super Deluxe, box set. Incredible. If you like Prince, definitely check that out. And the number one box set released in 2020, Tom Petty, Wildflowers and All the Rest, Super Deluxe. It's five CDs, also available as a nine LP edition. I love Tom Petty. I've heard a lot of the songs off this album because they keep popping up on my release radar. Um, I don't love all Tom Petty. Like the song American Girls is probably one of my least favorite songs of all time. But then uh, the song You Don't Know How It Feels is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. So, you know, he's he's one of those artists that I absolutely love, but I don't love everything by. Um, but this box set definitely has a lot of great music. Looking at the artwork, I, it's familiar because I have a lot of these songs saved on my Spotify now. And um, yeah, incredible. Um, I don't know if these are deep cuts. Okay, so yep, uh, for a good... So he had been promising to unearth tracks that had been left on the cutting room floor during the Rick Rubin helmed project and turn them into a separate release to be called all the rest. Okay. So what this is, what this is, is an album he was intending, uh, songs that didn't make it to his album with Rick Rubin. Oh my God. Yeah. So no wonder they're so good. I mean, they made, they didn't, they wound up on the cutting room floor. That's ridiculous. The, the songs that I, heard off this so far are just amazing um so yeah best box sets of 2020 there's that i thought that was a very interesting article wanted to share that with you oh this next one super interesting so apple car to begin begin production in 2024 uh with breakthrough battery technology this could be cool you know it's not guaranteed to be but this if they pull off what they're trying to do it could be really cool um the the cool thing about it is the battery what they're trying to do is make a new technology that eliminates, uh, it's a new monocell battery design. Bulks up the individual cells in the battery, frees up space inside the battery pack by limiting pouches and modules that hold battery materials, and then will allow it to have a longer lasting battery because now they can have more material to make the battery last longer as opposed to all these other materials uh, that are now not needed by this new technology. So that's incredible because that would be an electric car that could now run for longer than any that we've seen so far. Keep improving it. I mean, that's why Elon made his patent um, public is because he just wanted people to be able to improve on it. Although he did pitch in (laughs) his opinion on this. Uh, He pitched in his two cents on the fact that they're mentioning they want to go for LiDAR. And LiDAR is essentially the car reading the lines of the road, 
and like the width of the road and being able to just drive for you. And Elon's been working on this for years. So Elon straight up just said that LIDAR is a fool's errand. And I have a feeling that he's got it figured out and knows that it's far more complicated than they can comprehend where they are focused on the battery and LIDAR is a completely separate set of technology from the battery. So I personally think that he may be trying to discourage them because he doesn't want them to do it the wrong way. And I love that because if LIDAR is released and it's not done properly, people will die. People will die. And then we will be that much further away from having um, self-driving cars that allow us to now utilize the time we spend driving to do productive things for our businesses if we so choose uh or hang out you know relax sometimes we need some time to relax but i think that's incredible that people are um that anyone you know including apple is working to improve the electric car i think we need that so badly move away from these fossil fuels and save our coral reefs anyway uh moving on i came across (laughs) A random article of a GoFundMe for a venue called Cherry Cola in Canada. Apparently, Dave Grohl loves it. I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But anyway, they have about $36,000 raised of their $80,000 goal to save the venue. So I figured I would share that. Um, Cherry Cola, the GoFundMe is called Keep Cherry Cola's Rockin' and Rollin'. It's obviously a a local venue that people really love um, in that area. So I... Don't care where you are. If you're a venue and you need help, I want to help you. If you want me to share your GoFundMe, I would love to. I would absolutely love to. I shared the Worcester Palladiums, and I donated to it, and I'm going to do this for that. All the venues. We need all the venues. They're my favorite places in the world. (laughs) Like, you're not taking away the concert venues, pandemic. I don't care. (laughs) Thankfully, um, there was $10 billion dollars or $15 billion now allotted for concert venues. So let's really pray to pray to goodness that that uh, gets us to where we need to be. But anyway, Cherry Cola, donate to them, help them stay alive. Moving on. This was adorable. Uh, in, um, where was it? Where is it? In Benin, Benin, uh, West Africa, there is an all-female band getting together, and they're all... You know, um, they're they're young girls. I think they they all look about thirteen or fourteen years old, and they're all very talented. Um, Andre Balangwaman has a flair for the trumpet and for getting things done. So this is their teacher, who I think brought them together. And in 2016, the single-minded multi-instrumentalist from Central Benin moved to Natitingu in the remote agricultural northwest of the country and had a chat with the mayor. He had the idea to set up music workshops for local girls using his own instruments, so they wouldn't have to pay. The mayor got on board wrote a radio appeal for volunteers and provided a rehearsal space. 18 girls turned up outside the town hall. This is obviously amazing. Uh, Four years and several serendipitous encounters later, a honed group of seven girls, including Balagoman's two daughters, Angelique on drums and Grace Marina on keys, have been formed. Star Feminine Band is what the name is. Star Feminine Band. Make sure to look them up. Uh, Star Feminine Band's debut album recorded live in just two days. (laughs) Sees them cross linguistic and stylistic borders, taking in local Wama rhythms, Congolese rumba, high life, and Sierra Leonean boo-boo. Exuberant songs are composed, written, and arranged by Balagwaman. The girls bring their ideas, but I do everything. <laughs> of course. Of course he does. Uh, and unfold in multiple languages. Wama, Peel, Ditamari, Bariba, Fawn, and French. With ululations. 
you all elations and call and response so good you can't not get on your feet as 10 year old angelique puts it when we play everyone dances um if four-time grammy winner angelique kidjo is benin's greatest star to date star feminine band are its bright future that's uh that's very um <laughs> this is crazy i this is just wild and super awesome and um i hope i wish all the best for these girls and what they're doing star feminine band make sure you check them out um all of the positive energy that we can send to that area. Let's, let's get it there. Um, all of the things that are happening that are positive, let's give them attention. Um, yes. All the love. All the love to stop feminine band. I'm so thirsty today. What'd you do to me? What'd you do to me? Anyway, <laughs> last but not least, I want to avoid politics today cause it's just annoying and I can't stand it. Um, so I'm a, I'm a video game nerd somewhat. And, uh, I got to say, there's a game that came out that I saw such mixed reviews and it was confusing. And I just, I love Greek mythology, so I was drawn to it. But this game, Immortals Phoenix Rising, um, got really mostly crappy reviews. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, hmm, looks like it copies Breath of the Wild and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And that's what everybody was saying. So I finally, the game went on sale and I was like, I want to try this. I love Greek mythology. Forget it, doing it. So I did it, and um, it's amazing. It's just spectacular. I can't recommend this game enough. It's um, it is different. Um, it does feel different. Like the the character is completely customizable, and uh, the story's funny. It's like genuinely funny. Like it's like one of those games that like takes the video game humor and like takes it up a notch. And it's like really surprising. Um, the gameplay is very smooth. There's a bunch of different like weapon techniques and stuff you can use. So it's like, um, it feels a little little like if Dark Souls met Crash Bandicoot. To be honest with you, that's what I'd compare it to. Um, the only thing that is comparable to Breath of the Wild, really, is just the landscape, the climbing, and the stamina bar. Outside that, the storytelling is completely different. Uh, the gameplay, the battle system itself, completely different. Doesn't really feel that much like Assassin's Creed. I don't know. Um, I just saw this game getting so much hate that I just had to bring up. Uh, once I tried it and saw how amazing it is, I just had to bring it up. Same with Cyberpunk 2077. They just did another update today. Absolutely amazing. Like, like it's, it plays spectacular. I played it for like two hours without it crashing this morning. Um, yeah, the, the internet it has come a long way. Updates and the, what they are able to do has come a long way. And uh, the video game industry is important. It just provides therapy for people that need something you know, for somebody like me, I need something, I need one thing during the day I can do that's not productive that I just enjoy doing, that I just, you know, that's not practicing music, that's not making a podcast, that's not doing vocal covers or writing or just writing in general. Um, I need something that's not productive that I can just do and enjoy because otherwise I'm just going to do productive things for 16 hours all day and I'm never going to stop, never going to break it up. I'm barely going to eat. So it's like, it, it really just allows me to be more functional. Um, and I think that it does that for a lot of people while it does also make some people not so functional. That's true too. And that needs to be confronted, but it's, um, I think it's a very important form of expression. And I think it's come such a long way that like, don't let it stop now. Keep supporting. If you have any love for video games whatsoever, I just suggest supporting the, the industry. I don't see it as a waste in any way, shape or form. I think it's a any sort of creative art or expression is a much better use of your money than, <laughs> um, let's say, any drug. 
that isn't marijuana. <laughs> for some people, for some, for others, it's definitely still not a good use of your money to for that. So I don't know. I think there's much worse things to spend your money on, though. And I think that that is a thing that is not said enough. <laughs> you know, don't spend all your money on it, though. Everything in moderation, you know. People are like, well, you can't spend all your money. Like, yeah, I know. Use a budget. Write things down. What's coming in? What's going out? Do the math. What's left over? And then you're not going to end up with a surprise negative bank account because that's just the worst thing in the world. But, um, yeah, budget. Can't suggest it enough. And anyway, also, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Check it out. Do it. Get it. If you look up the reviews, you're not going to want to. So just don't even think. Just do it. <laughs> anyway, all right. So that's it for news. That's what we got. Um, last thing I'm going to do is music industry commentary this week. I was going to, I had somebody request that I go over my creative process. If um, you have anything that you want to ask me or have me go over industry wise, feel free to reach out. If it's something I can go over on the show, I definitely will. If not, I'll reach out and I'll explain it to you via messenger. Um, regardless, though, I can definitely give a, you know, a brief overview of my of my creative process. I mean, it is kind of somewhat in depth just because it depends on my mood, the time, where I am, what I'm thinking about, what do I want to write about? Do I feel like writing about the thing that I want to write about? (laughs) It goes, it's weird. And there's all these different thought processes that happen while it's going on. But at the same time, I also have to bring myself out of myself while I'm writing. Um, the, the most important thing is not overthinking. When you're thinking about it and you're thinking about, oh, I need to have a song that sounds like this, or I need to do this, or I need to do this, you don't need to do anything. Right there, that attitude that you need, that you're there because you need to do something will ruin anything you're going to create and ruin the fun of the experience as well. You don't need to do anything. Your debut and your talent and coming out to the world is not as important as you finding inside yourself genuinely what it is you want to say. Because if what you want to say has no meaning, you should still play music, but you're not going to connect to people the way that you need to in order to make a career. Um, You have to have something to say. Like for me, for me, what drives me, what makes me, what people being okay. I want people to be okay. I want wildlife to survive. I want the, I want the rainforest that we have left to be okay. I want the coral reefs and the ocean wildlife that we have left to be okay. And I want the people that we have left to be okay. And there's so many concepts to dig into within that. So many to the point where, um, when I go into writing a song, I don't so much, it's not specific. It's, it's almost like it's so much to the point where, so the first line of the song really helps you in developing what the concept is. Once you get over that first line of the song, usually it's easy. Once you come up with a first line, you know, not just any first line, but a first line that blows you out of the water and you're like, oh, that's really cool. You want to keep on writing until you find that feeling of like, wow, you're impressing yourself. Because once you do that, then you, may ha- you might impress somebody else. Not guaranteed, but uh, you want to be completely honest with yourself. And over time, the more you do it, what impresses you is going to become more and more complex and more and more skill and require more and more skill and will become more and more appealing to a general audience. So for me... I've just, I understand what people want to hear from me. I also understand how I can throw them off and surprise them. And I also understand uh, what my strong suits are for what I can write about. And then I also, I gain new things to write about every day though. 
you know, I, I wrote a song about night terrors um, called Vitriol, which is <laughs> about uh, being possessed by demons in your sleep. And, um, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that in very many years. So, like, it's a, it's very interesting um, just where these things come from. Um, and what, when it comes down to it, so uh, Decomposition is a song I wrote for Fathom Farewell. Uh, well, not, I didn't write the instrumental, but I wrote the lyrics. I've stood by the few as the many stood and watched the world fall. We stood standing in spite of it all. So what I did was I heard where I wanted the syllables to be. I heard where I wanted, what I wanted the melodies to be. What I do is the second that I hear a song, I just, I immediately hear a few different type melodies that can go over it. I immediately hear a few different lyrical lines that I can use and you can't just use any lyrical line and it can't just fit in time. It's not just that it fits in time. It's not just that it's in key. It's not just that it's a, a lyric that's okay. It's that you're occupying the frequencies that aren't being occupied. You are not trying to do the same thing as anything else that's happening because then you're just, you're just replicating something that's already there unnecessarily and robbing yourself of the opportunity to actually make a contribution to the music. So when you're writing lyrics, you want to think of it as an instrument and you're, you're not, you can follow the guitar riff sometimes, but if you follow the guitar riff, the whole song and every song, like every lyric you have is riffing off of the guitar riff in the same way, that song's boring. That song's definitely boring. Everyone that you show it to is going to think it's boring, no matter what. Uh, no matter who you are, no matter what artist you are, please show me an example of a song where the vocalist follows the guitar riff the whole time that isn't boring. You're not going to find it. Um, but that is something that many local bands try because it seems like the vocalists are afraid to kind of step out of their comfort zone. So what I did is for many years, I just, I didn't, <laughs> what I was writing was not that great. It was not that great. Um, it took me many years of writing stuff that just frankly wasn't that great that like I wanted to be impressed with so bad, but I just wasn't. And it took me so long to get to a point to where I would write something and know, okay, this is impressive. This is something, you know, that took me 15 years. It's, it's not an easy thing. Um, people think there's a process that you can like, huh, get myself in the zone. Oh, I have writer's block. No, you're just not 15 years into your writing process. You, you've been doing it for maybe five or 10 and you still haven't found your stride. Some people never do. That's the scary part about music. You could play guitar for 40 years and not be as good as another guy who's been playing for five. It's just the way the cookie crumbles in this industry. And when you join this industry and you start in it, that I had no idea I would ever be good. And it's like, I'm not trying to say that I am, but like, you know, I have a fan base now and it's because they enjoy what I do. I didn't know that was ever going to happen. I had no idea I would even be where I am now and I'm not even that far, but like, I had no idea. You don't come into this with any guarantees. I didn't. For 10 years, I thought I was going nowhere. For 10 years, I was like, I just need to do this because I love it. And I don't really care. You know, I did care if I was going somewhere. I, I was constantly having internal battles with myself. Like, I need to find a way to, like, survive. But I love this so much, and I have to do it. And I I can't not, I can't not do it. Um, and it's just such a, it's a strong strong battle that we have to fight within ourselves. And I fortunately was able to find a way to monetize, um, what I do playing covers and solo acoustic. And also I have enough of a fan base that we do make merch sales. And, you know, we were selling a lot of tickets before the pandemic and stuff. And it just took so much work to get there. It was so much work. And there were so many years of feeling hopeless, like it wasn't going to go anywhere. And, um, if you feel that way, 
just know that it's the universe testing you to see if you actually belong here. And just know that it's not a short test. And it doesn't end when you want it to. And you can't think about it while it's happening if you want to get through it. Because all you're going to do is be like, well, when do I get to get to the end? You're not going to notice it happening. Like, I don't feel any different than I did 10 years ago playing music, but I know that I sound different. I know that for a fact because I listen to it. But I don't feel that while I'm performing it. I feel more control. I feel the ability to do it, but I don't feel like a different person and I don't feel like a different musician, even though I sound completely different. So you really have to remember that. Uh, The hopeless feeling is for everybody. It's there for everybody, no matter who you are, whether you are me or Miley Cyrus or, you know, somebody more successful. (laughs) doesn't matter. It's always there. You have to fight it. And most people, what they do is they decide that that feeling is the reason to leave and they let other pressures talk them into doing other things with their life instead. And the ones who make it, from what I've seen, are just really the ones who fight that feeling for decades. You have to be a crazy kind of person. Like, I'm nuts. I'm nuts. The things I'm willing to put myself through in order to make this happen... I look back at it and it's just like the amount of time and money and effort and thought and emotion and just general sadness and hopelessness and just everything and just the the attitude of everyone around you. It all just goes into it. And the reality is through sticking through it, through all the pain and all of the anguish of thinking that it couldn't be possible, I've just come out on the other side finding something where I can make music that I know people will like. And when I'm writing it before I show it to anybody, I know if people will like it. Um, I do definitely have a team of people I bounce it off of. And there is times when I think it's going to be good and people will like it and they won't. But um, so I'm still I'm not perfect at all by any means either. But I I have gotten to a point where um, I can I can make music that I genuinely enjoy, that I don't have to lie to myself about liking. And that really is the goal. Once you do that, you can start making music that other people will like. If you don't genuinely like your music, no one will. And it's so easy to say you like your music, and when you work on it really hard, and you put a lot of time and money into it, and it comes out, you just want to like it no matter what, and you want to push it no matter what, and you want to be there for it. But you have to be honest with yourself. And if you don't really love it, if you aren't in love with it, if it isn't your favorite thing ever, you got you got work to do, and that's okay. It's the hardest job in the world, and it's emotionally taxing, and it's incredibly difficult, and um, the only people who get through it are just the ones that are willing to take a beating, to take the most beatings, and it's sad, but it is what it is, and I love music more than anything in the world, so I just am going to devote myself to it, I suppose. Well, not devote myself to it. I still want to you know, have a family at some point, and plenty of musicians do that and make it work very easily. But it, well, maybe not easily, but, you know, as long as you get your ducks in a row first, it can work. Absolutely. So there's always hope, but there's also always work to be done. So you have to remember that whenever uh, you're thinking about any career you want to do. All right. So anyway, that's how I feel about writing. Um, I don't. Oh, well, I guess I didn't talk about that much. So I don't really start with uh, lyrics first. I always write the instrumental. I'll usually start with an, one instrument, either acoustic guitar or piano. 
and I write a skeleton um, on the acoustic guitar or piano, and then I write lyrics to that. So it's always just something that I hear, and I'm like, I'm playing it, and I'm like, ooh, I love this chord progression, or ooh, I love this rhythm, or ooh, this is really cool, or I can hear this going with that. You know what I mean? But it starts really simple, usually on one instrument. Um, and then the vocals are really what ties everything together for me. That's what where I determine my structure. And it's like once I write the lyrics down and then I make a little voice recording on my cell phone, then it's locked in. Then it's like I, I listen to that voice recording incessantly. And then I go and I make a little demo. And then I'll go to my my producer, Chris Paquette, and we'll record the, the song, um, you know, after I've listened to it a bunch and sent it to him and he's given me his feedback and all that. And it's like, it's, it's no short, easy process, but it is extremely fun for me. It's not stressful for me. I don't sit down to write and go, I can't get it. No, if I sit down to write a song, I crank out a song. I crank out two songs. Uh, it's, it's a good time. I'll have a beer and smoke a bowl and just have a great time. It's, but it took me so long to get there and it was so stressful for so long. But like I did I, I want people to know that really want to write music but are struggling. I did get to a point where it's not, it's fun. I love writing music. I love writing lyrics. It's not stressful. I love, I mean, I do session writing and stuff. If, you're, if your band ever needs help writing lyrics or uh, tracking vocals or anything like that, like I have rates for that and I'm very happy to help. I love doing that. Um, obviously, I can't do it for free because it is work um, for somebody other than myself to no benefit of, of myself outside of, uh, and you know, if I had a bunch of time to spare, I would do it for free anyway. Cause I just love to help people. But, um, you know, I have very reasonable rates for that kind of stuff. If anybody does want help with writing lyrics or structuring a song that isn't, you know, a, a jazz core <laughs> math core crazy thing, I'm not into that. But if you want help, like structuring, a hard rock song, like a you know, in a with a pop formula or like um, alternative music or something like that, um, I can definitely help point you in the right direction to where a producer would then be able to kick you into shape. Um, like I, I wouldn't be able to give you the final product. I would on the vocals, hundred percent. But like you know, instrumental, that's not. I can help you structure songs though. That's my point. Um, but anyway, with the vocals, I can you know. It took a lot of time just. Literally, the only thing you can do, no one can teach you how to do it. You have to just do it and believe that you're going to be able to do it no matter what. Um, that's what I did. I, <laughs> I sucked so bad for so long. I wrote so many terrible songs, so many terrible songs that I look at. And I'm like, Ugh. some of them are even on Spotify. If you go and you listen to the, oh, God, I shouldn't even say it, the Alex J. Cohen Project on Spotify, go be horrified. <laughs> It's horrifying. It's not good. And that was like five years into me writing music. So like, it's a long process. It's extremely frustrating. It's extremely difficult. But when you get to a point where you understand how to do it and what you're doing and what you want to do, it's the best feeling in the world, even before you're like, I, I don't, I have a career, like I play, you know, I, I have all different streams of revenue from between the cover gigs and all that stuff and the bands and all that, but it's not all just touring and music and revenue from streaming and stuff like that yet. Um, that is the goal though, but yeah, <laughs> it's really hard work if you want to, if you want to be a industry professional and I mean, I'm not even there yet technically, so um, on the cusp though, very cool things on the horizon that I can't talk about right now. But, uh, yeah, 
You're amazing. Uh, I'm going to do a charity of the week at the end of each podcast from now on. Uh, this week is Thorn, T-H-O-R-N. Thorn developed technology that have helped to save over 20,000 children from child trafficking. They help to identify patterns where these children are being taken uh, from places where they won't really be noticed, you know, um, low-income neighborhoods, uh, terrible orphanages, terrible foster homes, stuff like that. And um, essentially, they are able to link authorities to where this can be prevented and the children can be saved. So um, they've done incredible work. Uh, Thorn is just one of my favorite charities, period. I follow them a lot. Um, you should too. Uh, they're very easy to donate to www.thorn.org. If you have, you know, if you <laughs> don't make another post about pedophilia, okay? Don't make another post about that nonsense. Make a donation to the people who are fighting it. Make a difference. Talking about it, we all hate it. We all hate it. We all deplore that sick that whatever entities in this world could create a mind that would want that kind of a thing, we deplore it. We, we despise it. We do. But there are people who are working it against it actively and actually making a difference outside of just their words. And we need to help them. They need our help. So please, Thorn, T-H-O-R-N, please check them out. I love you so much. Thank you so much for watching. I love podcasting. It's the greatest. It's like my new outlet. It's like new, fun, awesome thing I look forward to every week. And uh, I'm just going to keep doing it. So 2021 is going to be the year of Alexander the Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm a weirdo. So you're going to have to deal with that. energy around us to magnetize ourselves to those we fight come comfort from um. if this time this is the mistake you can't walk away from the last chance is never the one you expect too late to defend I'd give anything for one more chance to make comfort